Welcome to Meet the Filmmaker at the Apple Store Soho in New York. Please welcome this evening's guest moderator, filmmaker John Cameron Mitchell. Um, this is a, a rare thing for me, but I was really knocked out by this film and haven't seen a good narrative film in a long time. It's really good, you guys. Has anyone here seen it? Okay, cool. That's good, right? That's why you're here. We're going to show you a trailer, and then we're going to bring out the filmmakers. Here's the trailer for Tangerine. Hey, Alexandra, come here. Listen, have you seen Cindy? Cinderella. Looks like someone has a crush. Cindy's back on the block? Oh, yeah, she's back. She's back and she's going hard. Merry Christmas, girl. <laughs> I got some good news to tell you about me and Chester. I know what it is. You're breaking up with him. Thank God. I'm gonna be cheating on you like that. Wait, 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 what? You, you didn't know? Hmm. White boy. Who is she? Her name starts with a D. Danny. Desiree. Destiny? You're making me lose my game. She's some white fish. Chester and she know me with real fish. Yeah, like a real fish girl, like vagina and everything. Girl, calm down, it's not that serious. I will go with you under one condition. You must promise me that there's not gonna be any drama. I promise, I promise. Look at me in my eyes and promise. I promise no drama, Alexandria. Whoa! What the? Oh boy. Help me off the You didn't have to Chris Brown the girl. What did you do to her? Does your friend ever shut up? No. She's been talking ever since I met her. This one has one shoe. She from the hill. She hillbilly. Chester. Since him. Who's your man? Whose heart beats for you? Cindy, what do you see in him? Talk to me. We've been out of jail for 24 hours. She's already causing drama. She called the police. The cops are coming. Come on, girl. Out here, it is all about our hustle. And that's it. The yeah. world can be a cruel place. Yes, it is cruel. God gave me a penis. That's pretty damn cruel, don't you think? The filmmakers of Tangerine. <laughs> Who edited that trailer? That was really good. Oh, I, uh, Magnolia took care of that for they us. They did? Uh, yes. Yeah, so did you get approvals over it? Uh, yeah, well, it's pretty they, good. Though. I love it. I yeah, think they did good. a good job. There's an R-rated one. There's an there's oh, a red really? band that that's much better actually. Yeah, we did we did so an X-rated one. Oh, for short bus. Do you want to introduce yourselves to everybody here? Uh, my name is Sean Baker. I'm the uh, co-writer, director of the film, uh, and co-cinematographer. Maya Taylor. I play Alexandra. Hi, I'm James Ranson. I play Chester. Karen uh, Karagulian play Rasmik. I'm Mickey O'Hagan, and I play Dinah. I'm Darren Dean. I'm one of the producers from the film. Uh, Shi Chinzo. I'm one of the producers, also costume designer in the film. Radium Chung, co-producer and co-cinematographer. Chris Bergash, I co-wrote this thing with Sean, co-produced. Well, like I was saying, there haven't been many narrative films that really grabbed me in a number of years, and this one really blew me away. Can you talk a little bit about how you came to work with Maya and Kiki on creating the story 
and then we'll talk a little bit about how you made it. Sure. Uh, well, Chris and I, uh, we were spending time in the area, introducing ourselves to people, um, basically telling them what we were intending to do. We didn't have any sort of script or plot. Uh, we, we couldn't, we were looking for that one person or a couple of people who would show enthusiasm and want to collaborate with us. And one day we walked um, to the LGBT center, which is around the corner from the intersection that this takes place on. And uh, I saw Maya from across the courtyard and she just had this aura, this, the it thing that uh, I, we, I had to speak with her. Um, and we connected right away. Uh, we, we, I, I saw you know, Maya expressed true enthusiasm, wanting to participate in this project, and also, you know, she she was an aspiring entertainer, not just for acting, but for singing. And and so we exchanged information. Next thing you know, we were hanging out regularly at the local fast food joint, doing um, sort of just meeting and talking and hearing anecdotes and stories that she knew from her friends who had actually worked the area. And um, one day. She brought Kiki to the table, and when Kiki sat down next to Maya across the, uh, we were at the across the table. We we're sitting Kiki, at a Kiki plays Cinder, Cinderella. Cinderella. Um, <laughs> as soon as I saw them together, I just thought, "That's it. You know, this is going to. We're going to write two characters who these uh, two actresses will play because it, they just had this dynamic duo uh, sort of uh, interaction." They, they, they complemented each other, they contrasted each other, they were so funny together, and, and so really that set us down the road into writing the script together. And how did you, Maya, realize that this was the right kind of person to work with who was gonna respect where you were from, the, the realness of what the stories is, and it was gonna, and your input was gonna be very important. Did you tell that right, could you tell that right away? No, you know. <laughs> <laughs> You know, um, he had gave me his previous movie, Starlet and Prince of Broadway, which I love Starlet. No comment of Prince of Broadway. But, I mean, it was a good movie, but I, you know, yeah, it just, it wasn't my type of movie because I'm a girly girl. Let's get that straight. Girly girl. Yeah, and I was so, in Starlet too, so. Yeah, and yeah, this hot guy was in Starlet too. So, <laughs> um, then I knew that, okay, this is serious, this is big. Never in a million years did I think that it was going to be what it is today. Right. I thought I was just working on a pretty great project. I didn't know that it would be this. Yeah. yeah. So when you, but when you first, in, were both of you thinking at the beginning, trans sex worker situation? What were you, what, what was the venue or the, the sure. context that you were thinking of before you met Maya? I'll start, Chris. Is that yeah, cool? Yeah, All right. Uh, basically, this intersection of Highland Santa Monica, it's sort of an unofficial red light district. It's, it's about a, long a half a time. mile. Long time. And it's about a half a mile from where I live. Uh, from a filmmaker's point of view, it, 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 it struck me as, uh, I, w I was actually amazed that a story, I had never seen a story that had taken place there on film or cinema or television. And um, so I had already been exploring sex work with my previous film, Starlet, and maybe this was just a logical progression, I'm not sure, but I wanted to explore this neighborhood. And it yeah. was really about... Um, it was more the neighborhood, whoever might be in the neighborhood. Whoever might be, and I knew, and, and then Chris and I, what we want to do is, uh, with these films that we're making right now, um, finding a theme, a universal theme. In this case, there was uh, themes of friendship, yeah. um, infidelity, yeah. Uh, stuff that could be applied to any 
community culture throughout the world that everybody can identify with, but but apply it to that area. Very specific. And, yeah, yeah, and find the story there. Is that? Yeah, lo lots of times you hear uh, people say, write what you know. I think Sean and I really enjoy writing what we don't know. Mm -hmm. But with that comes a very big responsibility of you know doing our due diligence and research, and we were really lucky to meet uh, Maya and uh, Katana Kiki Rodriguez, mm -hmm. as Sean said when we uh, ran into them, and Maya was nice enough to bring her to the table. Uh, the the contrast was was it just unfolding right before our eyes, and we you know Sean and I, I remember the moment we looked at each other, thinking like, okay, we have something here with you guys, with you, and just did you, know, you what all could we do, do improv together before you wrote scenes, or was it more just ideas, and then you wrote it, and then Maya made it her own in her own. We had words. a few. We had some workshop sessions uh, in which we would have, but we we knew the scenes pretty much. So this is after we wrote the initial treatment that we passed treatment, by. Treatment, so like the general scenario of yes. what would happen, but yes. not exactly what the dialogue was exactly. Ex right? Well, we had some dialogue. Yeah, and I always like to say we we had just come off of Starlet, as Sean mentioned, and in the beginning of that film, it was a very sort of cinema verite just a day in a life, 90 minutes of a girl who happens to be an adult film star, but it would focus on her day off just trying to find her dog in the valley. And that film evolved into what it became, but uh, the, the, the A to B story really never met our, left our systems. So I think it, we had the genesis of an idea. We, we knew we wanted to tell a story about someone getting from point A to point B, and we went in with that. So we would do these workshop sessions. They're very much influenced by Mike Lee and his technique. Sure. And so, for example, the bus scene, from the film, we would get into a room and we'd set up chairs. You're on a bus. Yeah. Let's see where we, we have to hit these themes. We have to get this exposition out. We have to get from point A to point B. And here's some dialogue. You can see throw it out the window if you'd like. Like and an improv workshop. Yes. And they quickly impressed me. Yeah. <laughs> I realized how lucky I was because both women are not only incredibly talented with just improv, but comedic and comedy improv. You can't teach You comedy. can't teach. No. You know, it's funny, it's so, especially the first half of the movie is just an explosive, virtuoso kind of film. You know, it's beautiful, the way it's shot is, is dynamic, it's exciting, the acting is super real and yet heightened in a comic way. And I'm like, wow, this is great, you know, this is enough. And then it surprises you, you know, and there's these scenes most most memorably in the club where Maya's performing, there's this hilarious kind of device, uh, not device, but plot point that Maya has a show at 7 p.m. and everybody she talks to, 7 p.m. tonight, be there, 7 p.m. tonight, be there. It's repeated <laughs> a number of times so it will stick. <laughs> where was it that you shot that, by the way? Hamburger Ma Mary's. Uh, and then the, in, uh, the we Mary. cheated the interior out in the valley. Oh. Okay, yeah, it looked kind of valley-ish. <laughs> um, and of course, nobody shows up. And suddenly you realize that it is actually not a story of infidelity and boyfriend trouble and sex work trouble, but a story of friendship. And the friend does not show up because she's caught up in her own situation with Dinah over here, who's being dragged onto a subway, onto a bus, down the street with one shoe. And Maya sings this beautiful song in a beautiful voice that suddenly the whole film sort of settles and, and everyone becomes, not that they were not human before, but he becomes emotionally empathetic 
the audience, the characters, everyone sort of settles into what they really are. And it's a beautiful moment. And it, without that, you can't get to the really, really touching ending, you know, which seems to come out of nowhere. If you had just gone to that touching ending and not had that scene, it wouldn't have helped. You know, it wouldn't have got there. You know? uh, uh. It's really well constructed and written um, and a perfect collaboration. You know, the biggest uh, thing people are talking about, and it's, the, you know, it's a partly a marketing thing because ultimately the result is the point, but they did shoot the film on the iPhone 5S. And Radium and Sean were co-cinematographers. Maybe Radium, you want to talk a little bit about the decision to go for the iPhone and what were the innovations in technology that allowed you to do it? Well, first blame this guy. Uh, <laughs> it was you should idea. start and I'll follow yeah. up. Just, uh, the decision came from uh, came uh, from Sean. money first, I, right? I guess so. Yeah, it all really started with our budget that we really had nothing to work with. And I'm out of favors at this point. I'm on my fifth feature. So uh, I couldn't shoot on film. I couldn't even get the Alexa or the Red. Then, then maybe we could have shot in the DSLRs, you know, the, Canon, the 7D, 5, 7D or 5D. But even that would have added three crew members, it would have, I would have had to get proper glass, it would have been more of a headache. I, I thought, and I wanted to separate us from the pack of all the other independents out there that are starting to look the same with shallow depth of field and everything, and I thought, you know what, this just might be something. There are people have iPhone short films and experiments up on Vimeo. I was starting to explore them and I was very impressed. There's a, a very deep depth of field, or it, it's usually it's a, a wide non-existent. Lens. You can. It's a. It's basically everything is in focus. It's a twenty-four. Exactly. Everything is in focus for from. If I had the camera up in front of my hand, from my hand to a mile away, you would. Everything would be in focus. So basically, I had to. Once I was able to. Once we were all able to get past that and accept it as an aesthetic, uh, then it was just about moving forward and figuring out how to do it right. And I found a Kickstarter campaign for this company called Moondog Labs that created this anamorphic adapter, which allowed us to shoot in true scope. And right. Animal, so, and anamorphic, can you describe what that means? Well, it's the, it's the widescreen aspect ratio, but it's not just cropping your image, it's actually Squeezing capturing it. more information. Yeah, so when you can stretch it out in post-production and it will be a widescreen aspect ratio. Um, and so uh, we, there was that tool that really started to, I guess I was being sold that it would, it would, in, it would basically elevate this to a cinematic level. And then there was this um, app called Filmic Pro and it allows you to lock it at 24 frames a second and has all these other bells and whistles. And you put it on tripods sometimes, sometimes on a, a steady cam light I, kind of a thing? Yeah, I don't know if we ever, did we ever do a lock off tripod? Well, what was, oh, like yeah. in the, the uh, oh, yeah, that, yeah, that yeah, first okay, scene okay. in the diner, yeah. that's... Yeah, yeah, the beginning and the end, basically, yeah. for a couple of shots. But for the most part, it was, uh, we had two cameras going on at, uh, at the same time. And we had th uh, Sean found this this little 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 steady cam rig, actually made by steady cam, right? Um, it's just like a mini thing that hangs? No, there's no stabilizer. It's just a little, little handle. But does it have gyros and move? It's a smoothie. A, it, it's called a smoothie. Um, yeah. But you can take it low and... Not really. You have to bend down okay. to get that shot. Yeah. And it takes a little while to get used to and, you know, get some practice on. But that really, really elevated that, that level. Because, you know, the phone is so, so, so small and lightweight. No matter how steady you are when you're holding it, it's going to look shaky. like a, yeah. a, a home video. 
So having that rig really uh, uh, elevated to a, to a different level. And then uh, I think there was someone at the, the, at the uh, a trailer, some really nice looking dolly shots. All that was done by Sean. He's riding, he's a pro in riding That's bikes. on the smoothie? Yes. He, he's got All one hand, I don't know which hand he, he uses. <laughs> he used, he got one hand on, with the thing and then the other hand on his bike. He just like ride his bike. Oh, yeah, bike. it's a bicycle, it's like a 10 speed bike. Uh, basically, when I used to live in New York, um, I'm sorry, I... I gave up on New York, guys. <laughs> the <laughs> weather, the weather was just no. It was the, it was the weather. Uh, but but I, when I was living here, I, I used a bike to get around town. I didn't subway it, or I, I, so I was used to this. I was used to being able to jump up on the sidewalk and I was control speed and everything. So I would be holding the, the handlebars with my left hand and this and the grip on my right, and I was able to get these shots. This is the smoothie thing. Yes, exactly. And I was so able it stabilized to, it a bit when you were jump bumping. Not only that, but I was able to actually do impromptu steady cam shots and do 360s around my actresses and, and improvise a bit improvise, like the yes. actors yeah. were improvising yeah. yeah it was a it was a it, it, the the benefits of the iphone and shooting this way really revealed themselves to us as does we that were mean shooting. you could steal a lot of shots without without uh, permits well really we can <laughs> we can talk about that no. in the future. One day, one day I remember showing Too up to late. set and uh, and uh, I see that Sean is rigging up this giant painter's pole with the iPhone and I'm like, what giant is going on? Giant selfie stick? Basically. Yeah, basically. <laughs> yes. Yeah, basically that's yeah. what it was. Yeah. A lot of the crane shots were, were done that way. selfie with stick. This weird, yeah, painter's yeah. pole. And we had no feed to check it, so he would do like 25 takes if need be of just getting it right. Watch it out. Yes. Yeah. Oh yeah, that was another thing. It's like, you couldn't really do. Well, you, would you do playback on the phone we to would. see if you got it? Yes. And then listen on the sound while you were doing that. Yeah, we would sometimes ask our extremely talented, you know, sound, sound recordist. That's a sound for, is a really yeah, hard to, job. There. He's he was a one man show. His name is Iron Strauss. He's incredible. Um, he did the boom. He, he, yeah. And the yes mixing. Yes. That's incredible. Every time there's a cab scene. He's he's in the trunk oh and he's six God. five. <laughs> so oh no! He was a trooper. Let's yeah, just so say he, he was, was in trooper. the back seat for the car wash scene. He would be in the trunk. I was <laughs> the in the back trunk? seat. Oh, yeah. Right. The trunk. <laughs> the trunk open? No. Uh, not closed. No, trunk. closed. We were going to the car wash. Yeah. What yeah. kind of you car hit, was this? Seventy-seven Oldsmobile. How are you going to fit in the trunk? I, I forgot. Crown Victoria. I don't know. <laughs> That's what they are. Yeah. I, think, I actually think we yeah. really that put him through part. the worst of it. To be honest, yeah. I think yeah. he had Why it the worst. Why isn't he here? Has he been crippled? I think <laughs> he's in a state facility somewhere recovering. <laughs> you know. He also does yoga. Oh, does he? Yeah, that's true. <laughs> that is true. Wow. I want to reach out to some people. Producers, Xu Ching. Okay. okay, please explain all the things you did on this show because I can't believe it. If you Mama. saw the film, she also played the proprietor of the Donut Time. Yes. Mama-san. Well, I'm basically uh, doing uh, costume design, producing, and then also continuity, and also act in the film. Continuity? Yeah. Yes. So she was acting and having to keep her eye on all the other Wait, actors. And I would, I would also like to add that because the Donut Time was still technically open, so I sell donuts too. Yeah, yes. so. <laughs> she had to sell donuts to real customers that would interrupt our shots. That's true. Did you ever have any shots of them in it and then you had to get a release and get them in the movie? Uh, yeah, we have yeah, two yeah. shots of real customers. And they're just like looking over the camera, but it looks like they're looking at a character. Exactly. 
we, so we promised costume design. To, so you're fixing the costume, continuity, donuts, producing, acting, saying we're we're losing light. <laughs> we're and yeah, acting. I also sh I also shot uh, in a donut time from behind the counter. You, you shot with a cam yeah, another camera. Yeah, I also have a camera. I behind the counter I was shooting. How many cameras, are, most cameras you had at once going at the same time? Uh, we have three cameras. Three. But at one time, only two. The most we had running it is two. Did we you have we to blur three. anything? Like do any digital removal of signs or cameras or extras um, or anything? No. Well, there were a few times, I think there was a bus sequence that we shot in which we... People, was when that you stolen shoot in, when you go on the bus? Well, yes, yes. Well, when you shoot in L.A., People are savvy to the industry. They understand that this could be something like a feature film or even a webisode or something. Right. So when you ask for releases, you have to even be nicer than you are in New York. You have to be like, you have to beg for their releases. And there was one guy who started the bidding at $400. And we were like, wait a minute, that's, we're making an extremely low budget film here. Let's start at 20 and he was like, $350. I was like, we're not going over $60 here. And eventually we had to just give up on the shot. It wasn't. It was. It was fine. It wasn't. It was. It was okay. We could lose that take, but um, that's what you have to deal with. And it's. But it's. But it, the thing is that Chi Ching and I learned this from co-directing a film years ago called Takeout, um, in which we were shooting on the Upper West Side in a Chinese uh, takeout, and we promised them, just like we promised Donut Time, that we wouldn't interfere at all with their business as long as they just let us shoot in there. We will. We swear we'll work around the customers. We won't get in the way. But it, what it does is that I think it, it allows you to capture real, you know, stuff you wouldn't capture if, if things were set up and locked down. And, and there's a vibrancy, uh, a reality that you capture that I really don't think you could do it any other way. So, so in the end, yes, it's a headache and it's scary and it's risky, but um, yeah, I, I, I prefer this way. Wow. Did you find you had to do a lot of takes? The normal um, amount? I mean, were you doing... Me? I mean, do, well... For the actors, I mean, did you feel like it was moving no, very quickly all the time? Or were well, you doing things over and over and over and over? If, we, if you really needed something that, that needed to propel the plot forward, that was when, you, you know... spent more time. Yeah, I think so. It was like, yeah. we, th this beat has to be covered in order yeah. to get through. And then the rest of it, the Im improvisational stuff, you know? Tons of freedom. freedom. Yeah. yeah. And did, in the middle of shooting, would you, Sean, give them... Let's see if we can get the script closer to the beats, and then let's do a few takes where you do whatever the hell you want. Or how did you? You pretty much got it. Yeah. 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 Um, the only time that we really had to stay focused and really stick to the page was donut time, because we were shooting so there so the interiors time. of this climactic scene where all the characters converge. Uh, it's basically the third act of the film, and yeah. we had to get it down, and we only had two nights to shoot. We begged for a third, and we got like half a night, so we had two and a half nights in there, uh, and half the scene is in Armenia. And I don't know Armenia, neither does Chris, and neither does Radium, so it, oh, right. we, we had to, we, it had to be scripted to the word. So you were directing those scenes, right? Uh, sort of. Were you giving, did you <laughs> I, was, I was in charge of the Armenians. You had yes. to give notes to your mother-in-law. and. Yeah. She's, yeah, it was incredible. She's really good. Karin brought so much to the table in terms of that because all he, those actors were great. Are they the, all? Uh, they're celebrities in Armenia. Oh, really? Yes. Yeah, Karin, we got very lucky with the Armenian cast. They, they were, happened they were all to big be actors. in. Did they happen to be in LA? They happened to be in LA at that moment, and we just grabbed them. 
Oh, so they generally live in Yerevan? Yeah, or? yeah, yeah, yeah. One of the guy who drives the uh, cab there, he's a uh, host of the um, uh, voice show in, in Armenia. He was great. I liked his blank. Yeah. <laughs> his blank filial duty must take mother-in-law. Yeah, Arsen Grigorian, yeah. <laughs> yes. Mother-in-laws have a great deal of power, I believe, in Armenia. Right. And she thought that I was Chester. She didn't oh, know real. that I was, yeah, she didn't know that I was an actor. She stayed away from me she was the like, entire time. She was scary, scary yeah. pimp guy. She didn't put it together until we actually got to Sundance that I was like an actor. She's like, oh my God. I would I was have like, treated That's you right. so much nicer. What? Yeah. Her, her name is Ala Tamoyan, and she's uh -huh. like the Sophia Loren of Armenia. She's a classic. She was so good. Act. Yes, she's wonderful. Absolutely. And then wonderful. your wife was fantastic too, right? Yes, yes. Yeah. She, she, was, she was the best actress in, in Armenia last year. She I love that one. moment. It was like, you have to look the other way sometimes. <laughs> when you have it's very practical. Let's open it up to some audience questions. Um, hello to the directors. What do you think the iPhone is going to do to the to Hollywood, to the film industry now that people are using it for film commercials? Do you think it's going to be a positive? Is it going to be a negative? Is it going to flood the industry? At the end of the day, what do you think it will do for the film industry? Um, Hollywood's not going to care they're not nothing care. No. <laughs> absolutely nothing hopefully nothing i yeah it's very hard to answer that question uh i mean hollywood is already employing things like the black magic camera i'm sure there have been some films that have already used iphone to a certain degree in certain areas what's the black magic camera it's the this small it's like the gopro it's like a smaller uh -huh. hd camera right um so, but uh, to tell you the truth, I really don't, I really don't know, and I, it's hard for me to say. I Have you heard of other people? Uh, I know another guy who used iPhones for a film hmm. called King... King Kelly. King Kelly. Yes, right. yes, yes. And that was at South by Southwest when yeah. we were there a couple of years ago with my previous film, Starlet. It was 2012, and they did sort of a, a found footage movie. Yes. Yes, yeah. Hi, uh, my name is Brandon, and uh, my question goes out to the filmmakers and actors. Um, so, you know, in light of kind of this, you know, growing presence of, you know, featuring trans issues and, you know, transgender actors um, in, in shows like Orange is the New Black um, and Transparent, um, you know, this carves out, you know, another unique and, and great niche in, in cinema. And I'm wondering, you know, what do you hope the takeaway of this film is for other trans people of color? Maya. Why are you looking at me? You're looking at me. Nuts. I'm not trans. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> You're not trans in North Dakota. Well, shoot. Well, you know, I hope that more people come into the industry and, you know, like, tell their stories or, um, just, you know, more talented trans people just come into the industry so we all can see them, basically, I guess. We all know so many talented trans people in all walks of life, or at least I do, who there's just not as enough jobs exactly. for them. And often they've been acting their whole life yeah. in some form or another. And uh, I learned a lot from watching a lot of brilliant trans performers over the years. And there's, I think there's, naturally just going to be more and more 
opportunities. I mean, sometimes it might have to be homemade, and, and you're going to get a lot more love anyway in those right. friend-made projects. But sometimes you've got to make your own thing rather than wait for the job to come. There's only a few people like Laverne Cox who have reached a certain level of knownness that she's the go-to person first. Mm. But as, as it becomes more understandable to, to the world, there will be more, more characters and filmmakers my, too. My hope is that this is just one of many stories that will be told. And, and also, for me, uh, I, I, I see it as like the, a true success for this film would be for the industry to recognize the wonderful talents of Maya Taylor and Katana Kiki Rodriguez. And you know what? I want, I want them to be able to parlay this, you know, and, and, and reach, you know, reach for their dreams. And I want the industry to start waking up and realizing that... These are I, stars. Yeah, these are stars. You know, they, inst they, this instant is like, star. This is the perfect reel for, for a first-time actor. Yeah. And also, if I can just add a quick thing, it's also ultimately, no matter what gender you identify with, it's, it's a film about friendship. So, you know, at the end of the day, it's just about weighing it out and, you know, is it the bullshit, you know, cutting through that and at the end of the day. Did you have any more about how you, your two characters hooked up? Wait, do we, what do you mean? Any, did we do any, any more, like, was research? Was there any more in the script stuff? that was cut about it? Because, you um, know, it's like, oops, you know, when it suddenly comes out. Chester. Did you, uh, did you two uh, Alexandra? I think, um... Well, when she spoiler told alert, him, sorry. yeah, this is a spoiler. Yeah, because yeah. I don't, I don't want, I don't want to tell too much. But like, when she told him like what really happened, um, she was like, "Oh, well, my best friend Dark Vader over here told me," and I'm like, "Bitch, what? Are, like, come on, like, you know what I mean?" <laughs> yeah, like some of that stuff was cut out. Like, yeah, most of the really, really funny stuff when we really needed it to be serious, though. Yeah. Oh, I see. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. There's a tonal thing. Dark Vader. I guess that's. <laughs> what the <laughs> I look like Dark Vader to you. <laughs> it's so touching at the end, guys. It really is. It really got me. It's a beautiful film. And it's, it seems to be getting a lot of atten the, the attention that it should be. And it, I have a feeling it's going to snowball you know, into something that needs to be seen by a lot of people. Not just any kind of niche audiences, but a real broad, broad base of independent film goers. I'd love to see these, not necessarily these characters, but these, this group of people working again together. I'd love to see what you guys would do with the series or, <laughs> you know, well, I have a, I have a characters. I'm just, I'm really happy with this team, um, mm -hmm. you know. Uh, Keep them together. Yeah, yeah. Why, uh, why mix it up? Why? It takes, a, <laughs> it takes a long time to find the people you work well with. And exactly. Some people get tempted by money or fame or something to run off with people they don't know and, and get burned and, you know, bridges are broken with the old, you have to be really strong about keeping yeah. it together. It's also, you know, these are micro budget films and yeah. nobody's, nobody's making nobody's, out. Well, I'm not, I was about to say nobody's getting rich, but nobody's even paying rent. <laughs> yeah. So it's, it's really a labor of love. And the fact that this whole team has basically been working every day on this for the last two years for, for nothing, but for the love of it, yeah. um, just means so much to me. Uh, and I'm so thankful for that. Um, also we should, we should mention Mark and Jay Duplass 
who executive produced the film, they were very supportive from the very beginning. They were the only ones, basically. Really? Um, the only ones willing to give me money. After Starlet, I thought... Oh, I'd so get, they help finance? They did. Oh, yeah, yeah. They, they, they co-financed it with uh, Through Films. Um, and uh, that's Marcus and Carrie Cox of Through Films. And um, they really... Uh, a, a while ago, Mark said, if you ever want to make a micro-budget, I'm here for you. And this was after Prince of Broadway. I made Starlet. I was hoping the industry would embrace us right. all, but that didn't happen. Right. And so I turned, I called up Mark and I said, I think I'm ready to make that micro budget. <laughs> and that's how it happened. Yeah. Are you allowed to say what the budget is? Um, no, but <laughs> Starlet was it's made for uh, 235000 and Tangerine's less than half of that. Let's just say that. You can figure that's, out the math. Yeah. yeah. How on Starlet, just, we could afford a real camera. How did you not say it and yet, yet say it? <laughs> they have to do the work. Yeah. Um, <laughs> well, sometimes that's part of the story. I mean, the iPhone is one of the, just the gimmicks. It's not about the iPhone at all, but that gets people talking about it. Um, I was involved with a film called Tarnation, and we yeah, were just, just like, yeah. oh. I said, how much did this film really cost to make before you take it to the print, you know, take it to the music clearances, like right. when you actually made it? And it was... $238, wow. 38 cents. I was like, let's use that. Yes. You know, it's yeah. just something to get people talking about it. Yeah. And to remind them that you don't have to have millions to make something beautiful. Uh, people think bigger is better and often just look at the films around you, you'll find that that's not the case. Hi there. Uh, I was wondering if you could talk about the, the sort of, kind of like the B story of the film and where that came from, the taxi driver oh, yeah. John story. Um, yeah, thank you. I'll let Karin do most of the talking, but I just want to say that uh, thank you for pointing that out because that's a very, I, I find that to be a very crucial, it's a crucial B story and it doesn't get much attention by the reviewers so far. And, and uh, um, it, it all came about because of Karin. I've worked with Karin now five times. I think he's an, a genius actor and I've wanted to figure out how to employ him in this film. And uh, do you want to take it from there? Sure, thank you. <laughs> okay. Uh, well, uh, as Sean mentioned, we worked five times already. Every time he calls me, like, when the script is prepared, he calls me, he's like, okay, this is what I have. Now, how do we fit you in here? So we just sit down and think, and this time I said, well, it's a, it's a movie about L.A. Every other cab driver in L.A. is Armenian. How about that? So <laughs> is that right? uh, that's how it started. And then they came up with the story, you know, family, yeah. and... Uh, Took him a while to convince me to do the uh, car wash scene, but he did convince me. Uh, then we got all this great cast of Armenian actors, very, very lucky on that, very talented, and yeah. What? The, it, that's where the title came from, from the air freshener? Is that where it came from? There's, oh. a, there's a hint uh, of that, yeah. It's really just a... It's, the way I see it, and it's up to the audience to interpret it, but uh, it's just not a literal title. It's, we're just going for the sense the feeling, that you, the yeah. feeling that you get from the color or the fruit. It's, yeah, it's a tangerine colored film. It is. Uh, but all this stuff with, uh, is it Karen? What's? Karen. Karen. Uh, in the Cab is just, just, I mean, it's a whole little film in and of itself, and all the horrible passengers, who I'm sure are all your friends, Right, that you <laughs> a lot of that. I gotta get them in his friends. Yeah, I mean that. 
that horrible. <laughs> well, he's the one being vomited on. If oh, that's you were the, oh, God. I just, I'm just more of a human prop. Well, oh, God, the vomiting, you know, spoiler alert, vomit scene. Uh, with your brother or friend, whoever that character Yeah, that's was. a guy named Josh Sussman. You might know him so from Glee. So funny. Um, oh, yeah. He wanted to vomit on cue for us. He told us he can do it. And uh, I think that we said, okay, let's see how that's going to work. In, in fact, vomiting is in all Sean's films. And it's interesting how it, the amount of vomit gets larger and larger. <laughs> and the amount know. of vomit in this how last film, I have never seen. <laughs> it used to be easy because they used to sell Epicac over the counter. It's a vomit. What are you talking about? He really vomited? It's a vomit inducing syrup. Yes. Uh, for poison. When if you're poisoned, you yeah. That yeah. That was you, up to up to Starlet. It was available. Now we have to. You can't get Ipecac. No, you cannot. You just lost all credibility. You can get everything online. Right. Troma is producing our next movie. <laughs> I got a lot of vomiting in my. Yeah, a lot of vomit. A lot of vomit money in Troma. In fact, when uh, when we were done with that scene, uh, it was a one take scene. Obviously, you can't take. So I was like really concentrated. All of a sudden, I don't hear anybody saying cut. So I pull my head up and I see the whole crew is vomiting. <laughs> yeah, I remember looking like, yeah, up and I had losing wiped it. away yeah. some of Josh's vomit. Because the actor did? Yeah, because when was getting a hit. It's, it's, here with the Why iPhone. is nobody talking about this <laughs> in the press? And our sound guy was trapped in the trunk with the smell. Oh. <laughs> uh, yes. If I could just, though, go back to I your original you question. Wait, if I could just so go glamorous. from vomit. Oh, right, yeah, Hollywood. <laughs> if I could just go back to the Armenian question, though, only because we just had Pride Weekend, and I don't know how many of you have actually gotten a chance to see it yet, but the subplot, the, the B story is so important when you think about what's going on in Russia right now and Armenia in terms of like how homosexuals are treated. After yeah. experiencing Pride Weekend in New York and being on our float and seeing all the love, I mean, this is the most amazing Pride of all time because yeah. of you know, the marriage. So to be in this country and to experience that, to know what, if you're gay or transgender in Armenia, what you would go through, I'm so glad we had this because, spoiler, slight spoiler alert if you haven't seen the movie, but he's, he's ratted out by a fellow Armenian for his proclivities. And the other actor said that if he was in Armenia, he would be considered the hero of the film because he sold him out and let his family know. Oh, ew. Yeah. yeah, ugly. And that's right now in 2015. So I think it's not even about the B story. It is really the story of just humanity and who we are as people and how um, it should be. I'm really hoping uh, they will see the film in Armenia at some point and at least they'll start talking about it and yeah. kind of, you know, bringing up the subject. Sorry to get heavy after the vomit. <laughs> but it's so like important. Is there like a cinematech that would play smaller films? Well, we would hope Europe to on. play the uh, Golden Apricot over there and see how it plays. The, the big film festival. festival. Yeah. Wow. Also, the other, there's so many great little set piece scenes that uh, aren't necessarily part of the plot, which is strong, you know, the plot is really find the girl, get the revenge situation, and then the friendship breaking up. But uh, there's so, so much local color. I haven't seen an LA film that really shows LA underbelly so well in a really long time. Uh, there's a hilarious scene with Karen and uh, who picks up a prostitute. <laughs> I love that scene. Yeah. <laughs> She's just so real. Uh, that's her, her name is Anna Fox, and she's that's actually great. an adult film star. Oh, is she? She's and fantastic. She's wonderful. Absolutely wonderful. Really good. Yeah. Well, great I won't actor. tell you the, what happens there, but 
you got to see this film. Talk about it. We're so happy all the filmmakers, cast and crew came today. Um, happy end of Pride and July... July 10th. July 10th. Yes. At, you it, know where it's playing here? In New York, it'll be playing at the Sunshine Cinemas and up at Lincoln Center. Lincoln Center, great. Right. Cool. All right. Thank you for coming, everybody. Thank you for having us. <laughs>